When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick fire and drags it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, chance goal! Scotland has scored! It's a goal! It's Dykes! It's McCoy! Welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast. This could be the international break when Scotland's qualification to Euro 2024 is confirmed. We can do it ourselves if we avoid defeat in Seville on Thursday. We can also do it should Norway slip up against Cyprus or subsequently if Spain do the business against them in the following game as well before we play France in the friendly this is really what it's been building towards with our magnificent start to the group after the comfortable win against Cyprus during the last break. And hopefully we're here to preview, maybe not a Scotland win on Thursday against Spain, but maybe enough to get us over the line and allow us to enjoy Georgia away for a change um, and then welcome Norway uh, to Hamden in November. I'm your host, Andy Barge, and I'm joined by the Scotsman's Barry Anderson and BN Sports' Callum Brown to look ahead to the clash against the Spaniards on Thursday. Gents, welcome along. There's really only one place to start. It's with Kieran Tierney. We don't have a great record without him. I think he's probably the player that, when injury news uh, is revealed, induces the most size and despondency among the squad because he is quite unique to us. How do you feel about it, Barry, in terms of a replacement? Because we can easily go to a four, or do you just want to bring in a squarer peg to Tierney's round hole, so to speak? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think it's one of those ones that if you, you've designed this system or you've implemented this system pretty much to accommodate Tierney and Robertson, I think most people would agree that if they weren't you know, regulars in the national team that we probably would be playing a back four because I think Steve Clark certainly seems to prefer playing a back four um, from his from his club days. So if you've put that system in place, I think you need to stick with it. It's certainly been successful for Scotland. There's no question about that. Um, in, the, in the last couple of years, the way things have gone under Steve Clark, so you're then looking at a kind of direct replacement for Kieran Tierney. You know, we don't we don't have one of those. It's as simple as that. Um, so you're looking at the kind of next best thing that you've got in the squad. Um, now, Liam Cooper is more similar to Kieran Tierney in terms of his style of play, you know, similar profile, similar build, um, I suppose similar use of the ball with the left foot. But I actually think he probably he might go with Scott McKenna, um, mainly because McKenna's been in the squad and uh, Cooper hasn't, uh, or was in the last squad and Cooper wasn't. So 
that's what I would expect to happen. And I think probably as well for a little bit more height, um, I would expect McKenna would be more useful in that regard. Um, and he's you know he's playing as well. You've got to argue he's playing at a higher level at the moment as well than his club to, his club team. So that's probably what I expect to happen. Helen, where do you stand on this? Because Cooper and McKenna seem like the obvious replacements. Cooper is fit again after a foot injury kicked him out of the start of the season. McKenna's actually dropped out of the Forest team. He's not been picked, um, even for the bench, I think, over the last two or three games. But they're both left-sided. Who else is left-sided is Aaron Hickey. Could Aaron Hickey do Kieran Tierney's job as part of that three? Or is he too solidified on the right side for a, for a game against a team like Spain? Yes, it's, it's a difficult um, conundrum. I definitely don't envy Steve Clark um, in picking his team. I agree, I agree with Barry in, in terms of the um, sticking with the three, I think. Um, and that's for me as well, just more for the the midfield and, and sticking with what's been going well. Those those four um, in behind, whether it's Adams or Dykes and McTominay, Gilmore, McGregor and McGinn. Um, I think if we were to play a four, you're maybe trying to shoehorn maybe any a diamond or something which I, I just don't think would would suit us um, or you're going 4-5-1 you're bringing Christy in the width has to come from from your two full backs um, obviously that leaves you a wee bit more open at the back so it would be a three um, I like the the left footed shout obviously with, with Tierney being left footed I think um, for balance that, that would be the best um, I, I wouldn't be against the, the hickey shout to be honest I'd, obviously he's never never performed that role do you maybe put him as the left wing back and Robertson in one and he's maybe a wee bit better on the ball and, and that allows Patterson at right wing back. I don't know. Um but for me I think it would it would probably be a more natural um central defender I would I would prefer. Um and I, as I say I like um Barry's suggestion with the, the two left footers but also you know I'm I'm definitely not against uh, John Souter um brilliant ball playing defender um you could argue you know Cooper and uh, McKenna have played higher level. They've played in the Premier League against sort of top level opposition, and not always successfully, of course. But um, and and that balance would would help. But I think John Souter, in terms of trying to progress the ball out, um, obviously it would be three right sided central defenders and Porteous and Hendry. Um, but for me, I think Souter's the best out of those three. Just a, a, a personal preference, um, and I'd probably like to see him come in just for a a straight swap for Tierney, who's obviously a, a massive, massive loss. Barry, is the suggestion of a right-sided centre-half in Tierney's position a likely or feasible one? And also, is Hickey on that, uh, in that role a uh, non-starter, probably in the mind of Steve Clark, on top of how well you think he might do anyway? Um, I'd... I don't think a right footer in that position is likely. It's not unfeasible, but I don't think it's likely. Um, I think if you're... Steve Clark likes his centre-backs, his outside centre-backs to step forward in the midfield. Um, and it's much easier to do that on the left side if you're left-footed, simply as that. It's much easier to link up with Andy Robertson if you're left-footed than right. Um, so that's why I would expect a left-footer in there. Um I think the Hickey I think Hickey's unlikely for the reason that he doesn't play centre half for his club and he's too 
settled on the right side for Scotland and Steve Clark isn't one for changing things that aren't broken for trying to fix things that aren't broken should I say so I would expect Tierney to stay uh, Hickey sorry to stay wide on the right um, but having said that I do remember him playing a couple of times for Hearts and the London left side of a back three so he has done it before not obviously clear a long time ago um, but he's a better player now than he was then so uh, I think he would be capable of playing that role. I just don't think that Steve Clark will tinker too much with something that's served him so well. I think he'll look to try and get someone in there that is as close to Tieran Kearney as we can get, which is, you know, with the greatest respect, not particularly close because he's just such a unique player. Um, but I think he'll look for he'll look for a straight swap. Other defenders we have in the squad, Hickey has been solid for us at right back. I haven't actually checked the stats since the weekend against Man United. I have a feeling it might have changed since then, but certainly before their game against Man United, nobody had dribbled past Hickey in the Premier League this season. He'd, he'd stopped the threat every time. Um, so I think that that is good news, uh, considering we're about to play Spain. Uh, and Patterson hasn't been playing a lot of football at Everton. Probably going to be Porteous and Hendry on the right and middle of the back three, and that does leave the question mark over the left centre half area, potentially Suter replacing Portis or Hendry, but I'm not too sure that that'll happen, especially given uh, Ben Davies has been playing over Suter at Rangers over the last little while. And then in the left wing back area, Andy Robertson, um, if he plays uh, both games, which I'm sure he will, he will enter the top 10 of Scotland cap holders of all time on 68. That'll put him one behind Kenny Miller and David Weir. Uh, four behind Tom Boyd and six behind Craig Gordon. It's, I mean, uh, by the end of next year, Andy Robertson could quite comfortably be the third most capped player of all time, I would anticipate, if we reach the Euros and maybe have a wee run. Um, he could easily find himself only behind Doug Leash and Leighton. Leighton is on 91. Dan Fletcher is third at the moment on 80. So, yeah, that um, probably takes care of the defence moving into midfield. We had discussions last time about the best quartet that we have in there, that is including the the two behind the striker. Um, so McGregor and Gilmore, McTominay and McGinn. Callum, any reason to change that? Should clarify, uh, Ryan Jack has pulled out the squad with an injury. Yeah. Um, it's a reason to change it. Um, the, only, the only reason for me, um, and I'm not saying I would change it, um, I'm, I'm sitting a wee bit on the fence here, but um, would be the fact that, that Ryan Christie performed so well against Spain, um, what was it, six, seven months ago now, um, you know, kind of leading that press in a way, um, involved in the, the first goal, I believe. Um, I think he puts the pressure on, is it Pedro Porro, potentially? or, or that, was, uh, that was Robertson. Robertson, Um just in general terms, of, I thought Christie had a, a very good game. I think he comes close as well to making it 2-0. Um, again, he, he plays at the top level um, in the in the English Premier League, albeit not, not week in, week out. Um, kind of struggled for form, you could argue. But um, just in terms of an attacking threat, um, is it something you look at? I, I thought he performed very well, as I say, against Spain. Um, but, you know, that, that quartet, as you touch on, has been... Been so good, McTominay and McGinn, and um, with with McGregor and Gilmore behind. Um, it's maybe it would maybe be a case of you drop one of those two back and you take 
um, Gilmore or McGregor out, but I, I, I would personally stick by it. Um, just to, just to play devil's advocate, I think Christy, obviously, as I say, was very good against Spain, but would I wouldn't change it personally. Yeah, I would agree, Callum. I, I think you're right. Um, I think you look at it in terms of the the midfield, the way it was with, with the four that you mentioned. I think it works extremely well. It works well out of possession as well because let's be honest, Spain are going to have a lot more of the ball than Scotland are in this game. So you're going to be filtering back. Your back three is going to become a back five. Your midfield is going to become a four and you're going to be kind of five, four, one for the majority of this match, I think. Um, and keeping Gilmore in there, ball retention skills clearly beside McGregor. McGinn, McTominay either side, filter back, you know, they'll work hard, they'll chase people down, they'll, they'll press people and you know we'll get to the striker in a minute. I'm surely, I'm sure, but uh, I don't think I don't think there's much reason to change that. To be perfectly honest, Ryan Christie's actually been playing for Bournemouth deeper this season. Do you think that maybe maybe not in this game, but do you think there's maybe a future for him there in Scotland's midfield or to be considered to be one of the two um, alongside the wing backs rather than one of the two behind the striker? And look, Bournemouth aren't doing great this season, so maybe this is not a blueprint at all and Christie's actually rubbish in that position I'm not too sure but he's been played there by Areola um, and he, look he's a bundle of energy Callum Ryan Christie uh, I don't think he would ever stop running should he ever um, have to play deeper in centre mid for Scotland we've seen that on numerous occasions um, he was probably the the bright spark when was it we played was it in the uh, the, Cyprus, the Cyprus game at the start of the group when we, we were kind of sauntering towards full time and Christie came on and a bit of an injection uh, in the team as well at that point. Um, and am I right in thinking, did, did, let me just check here, did he play against, I feel like I've got a memory of Christie coming on and doing okay against England. Um, as yeah, well. I, was, I was about to I was about yeah. to come in on that. Um, he came off the bench, um, obviously in the last match against England, and not obviously didn't change the game as such, because um, we obviously go on to, to get beat, but you know, he's, he's heavily involved and Thought he was a, a breath of fresh air off the bench. Christie definitely impacted the game, albeit not changed it um, as such. But yeah, I don't know. It's I, pr- I probably wouldn't have him as one of the one of the deeper um, players. As you mentioned, he always he always gives his all for Scotland, as as you know every player does. But it's I don't know. I think everyone kind of fell in love with Ryan Christie with the the goal in Serbia and the interviewing things. Um, He's he's more of a obviously a forward player in, in my eyes. Um, he's got that that goal threat as well. Um, but yeah, he's he's one of those players that um, I know you mentioned he's he's club form and things. And you know, for me, looking you know, obviously you want everybody to be performing at, at club level. But he's one of those players that even if he's out the team at, at Bournemouth or you know whether it was Celtic in the past or whether he's not scoring, he's not creating goals. You you know he's always going to turn up um, for Scotland and he's. An, an incredible option to have, whether that's starting or, or off the bench, which in this case, for me, it would be off the bench. Well, if he did start behind the striker, Barry, it would have to be very likely in place of John McGinn or Scott McTominay. McGinn being dropped is pretty much a non-starter. You probably could have argued this time last year for Christie coming in over McTominay, but given the effect he's had for the team since this qualification campaign started and he's had probably just his finest hour for Man United at the weekend there coming off the bench for less than 10 minutes and scoring two goals in added time it's it's very hard to make that case as well now 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, Andy. But you're bang on. I saw the Man United Twitter account at the weekend tweet uh, a Scott McTominay appreciation tweet, I think it said. And uh, I felt the reply and saying, look, you know, some Scotland fans have been posting these for about two years now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'd be a brave man who left him out. I mean, Steve Clark may end up getting the sack if he tried that. It's, it's just one of those, <laughs> just a no-no, I think, you know. For so many different reasons, you know, as you say, the weekend he's come on and he's turned the game for Man United with two late goals. He was the, he scored two goals against Spain last time, so he'll be confident against this particular opponent. Um, his all-round play in this qualification campaign has been outstanding every game. Um, just keeps scoring goals. He's, I think, finally, you know, <clears throat> credit to Steve Clark here. There's been so many Man United managers who haven't fastened onto this that Scott McTominay is a a box-to-box midfield player. He's a, he's a more attack-minded midfielder than he is a defensive one. He's not a sitter. He doesn't have the, the sort of natural instinct to sit. He's, he's got the energy in the legs to get forward. And, and that's why he's playing so well for Scotland, because he's been used in that advanced role just behind the striker. I think I really like him there. And um, I certainly hope he plays there on Thursday. It's it's crazy, sorry, the, the turnaround, because maybe a, a year, two years ago, we'd have been maybe debating McTominay coming in for Tierney and that. Um, that centre and half yeah. position. <laughs> he's now gone from from a back three to playing in the front three, and obviously, what a weekend! Hopefully, he can he can keep that up for us. Incidentally, I've, I saw uh, Gordon tweet from his Tartan scarf account earlier. Two years to the day since McTominay's winner against Israel at Hamden. Uh, Fifteen yeah. competitive games since. Twelve wins, one draw, two losses. And I think we we probably can recognise that those two losses against. Ukraine and Republic of Ireland were this level so far below this team that they're pretty much anomalies. So, yeah, I, there's a there's a good Twitter account actually on this day Scotland or something. I, I think um, also is, is maybe Craig McHale Smith and Liechtenstein was today. Maybe that was yesterday. I can't remember, but the good stuff popping up all the time there. Um, so yeah, Scott McTominay and McGinn likely to be behind striker. Who is Mister Striker? Callum Brown. You know me, Andy. I'll always, um, I'll always back Lyndon Dykes, as I mentioned with, with Christie. Um, regardless of form at club level, um, obviously been playing in goals recently as well, aren't he, Lyndon Dykes? Um, but <laughs> um, no, I think, I just think, especially in a game like this, I know I think he missed a chance against Spain. Uh, when was it? Six months ago. But I think he, I, I thought he led the line brilliantly um, last time. Out against Spain, um, I just think it's he's, he's built for these kind of games. He's that striker that that we crave for a wee bit. I think to be fair, the likes of Kenny Miller and Stephen Fletcher used to do a decent job against the the bigger nations and an absolute thankless task leading leading the line in those games. Um, but yeah, for me, I think Lyndon Dykes he offers in games like this a wee bit more for me um, than than Shea Adams, and that might be a an opinion that that people don't share. Um, might be my Livingston bias coming in or whatever people want to say. Um, but I just think we we missed him a little bit um, against England. Obviously, he wasn't fully fit. Um, he, he comes off the bench and he, he didn't have the greatest of impacts um, like, like Christie did from the bench. But um, I, I just felt maybe it would have been a, a wee bit different. We discussed it about the England game that I think when we played them in the Euros, it was about five seconds in and he'd already clattered Luke Shaw. I think we, we missed a bit of his aggression going forward. Um, 
and that's no slight on Shea Adams at all. He's a, a terrific player who I'd be happy to to start as well. Just my personal preference would be would be Lyndon Dykes in a game like this. Barry Dykes uh, has has had a brilliant impact for Scotland's not in really a goal scoring sense. Granted, he scored um, a couple of times against Ukraine, and then he scored the equaliser against Norway. But is is he the man really for a, a game like this for Scotland? So I'm looking at Shea Adams, who has scored once since his second against him, or since he scored the second against Denmark. That was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games ago. Uh, he's not really on form for Southampton at the moment. He scored three and three to start the season, no goals in six since. He's in and out of the team. We, we can't dress this up and pretend that Lyndon Dykes is a serial goal scorer at that, that level either. But if we're talking about style of play for the moment, is it Lyndon Dykes or Shea Adams? Uh, it's a very close one, but Shea Adams for me just edges it um, because I think he is better at holding the ball in in terms of his ball retention. I think he, his technique's probably slightly better than London Dykes. Um, and, he, and he links the play a little bit better. I think Dykes, as Callum's pointed out, and he's absolutely correct, Dykes is better in a physical sense. He's certainly better in the air. He's better if you're going to play a bit more direct and you're going to get someone running off him for flick-ons and things like that. Or indeed, if you, I do think Dykes will have a part to play in this game and possibly an important part, but I think it'll be later on. I think coming on, we might be a goal down by then. We might need to try and haul ourselves back into it. And I think he would help in that sense. Um, I think... For me, Adams is the one who would start marginally ahead of Dykes. And, and that's not a slight on Dykes because I've said publicly on, on social media a number of times how much I admire Lyndon Dykes. I think he's a fantastic player for Scotland and should absolutely be in that squad and very, you know, on occasions in the starting lineup. I'm very close to the starting lineup every time Scotland play. Um, but I just think for this game, I think Adams would be better. I think it's likely to be a, more, a lot more playing with the ball on the ground. And Adams is more suited to that than Dykes, in my opinion. I think it's probably a toss-up among the support, um, whether it's Dykes or Adams this time. A couple of players, I don't think they would have played in Spain, or certainly not started, um, had they been included in the squad that some people I think were calling to be included. Ryan Hardy, for a start, who's doing well with Plymouth. I think perhaps his form could be sustained over the course of the season, and he might find himself closer to... The, the Scotland squad, I'm pretty sure it's five league goals he's got um, with three or four assists on top of that. So he's doing well for Plymouth at the moment. Uh, Kevin Nisbet has retained his place in the squad for the time being. No place for Shanklin. <laughs> Barry, what's going on there? Yeah, good question. He ha- he's just looked out of sorts the last month or so. Um, I have to say, you know, the Hearts haven't been creating an awful lot of chances for him in that period. Uh, and he had, he certainly looked frustrated at that that side of it. Um, probably looking like for the first time since he's come to Hearts, looking a little bit short of confidence, um, which isn't something you would normally have levelled at him. And yeah, I think when you look back at the previous international uh, break where he was left in the stand for the Cyprus game and then was on the bench for the England game, I think it wasn't a great... For me, anyway, it wasn't a great surprise seeing him left out this time. And uh, <clears throat> whether he can get back in or not, it's just probably down to his form at club level. If he's scoring goals, I think he'll get back in. Um, so, and to be fair, he won't. you're not going to go much longer without Shanklin scoring. I don't think he's one of those guys who's just 
a regular goal scorer at club level and I think you'll see him back in amongst that soon. Ben Doak remains with the under-21s. Another name that Scotland fans will be starting to get familiar with, if not already, is young Tommy Conway of Bristol City. He's just come back from an injury and came off the bench a bit like McTominay, actually, and scored two goals to win the game for Bristol City against Rotherham at the weekend. He was their top scorer last season, I think, with 13 in all competitions. Um, Tommy Conway uh, in the championship with Bristol City, so one to keep an eye on there as well. Looking at potential surprises in the squads, Callum, I think we've looked at where most of the big decisions have to be made. Let's take a look at some of the boys that are on the periphery of the starting lineup more often than not. What about a curveball with Kenny McLean in midfield if we're looking for ball retention? What about maybe Jacob Brown through the middle? If Steve Clark wants a bit of pace, somebody on the last shoulder, could this be Jacob Brown's Big moments. What about Lewis Ferguson and from the start? Anything cross your mind? Um, on Jacob Brown, I don't, I, I don't think so. Um, obviously not. We, we've we've had that debate on on Adams and Dykes. Um, but you know he's got his move to to Luton, playing in the Premier League, so potentially not a bad option from the bench if if chasing a goal. Um, I've spoke on here before about my admiration for for Lewis Ferguson, recently captain Bologna, I think as well. Um. Believe he was involved in one. I mean, it's technically two assists. I believe. I think he set one goal up and he won the penalty for the other in their two-all draw at the, at the weekend. Um, Ferguson's a player I really like. I don't think that that quartet will be, um, you know, taken apart um, by Clark. But Ferguson's Ferguson's an option from the bench again. He's playing very high level in in Serie A. Another one in in Stuart Armstrong, who's a player that's. Probably not featured as much as he he'd have liked. Again, with the the emergence of of McTominay, probably in his kind of role um, as the the two in behind the striker, Stuart Armstrong. I think he's got two in his last two. Um, yeah, cracking free kick as well. Yeah, one of them an absolute cracker, as you say, Andy. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe Armstrong starting to to find his feet again. Another one like Christie, always always gives his all. Um, both going forward and, and defensively, very. Very switched on out of out of possession too. Barry, do you see a place for any of those boys mentioned by myself or Callum? So that would be a more prominent role potentially for Ferguson, McLean, Armstrong, <laughs> or Jacob Brown. And uh, I would know because I don't think Clark will tinker too much with his starting lineup. But I do feel really sorry for Lewis Ferguson. <laughs> I just think you know playing out his skin at the moment and. You could argue maybe the second best, the second strongest league in Europe or the world, sorry. And as a she captain now in that in that league, getting assists, getting goals, and just having such an influence at any other point in history, this guy would be an absolute first pick for Scotland, and yet he can't get a game. It's a shame. It's a, it's a shame because I think he's the sort of player that the fans would really take to. But I think it's a brilliant situation to be in where we're. Scotland team is now that strong that we can afford to leave people like that out, and and we're still, you know, as you you rhymed off the stats a minute ago, Andy, you know, we're still recording win after win after win, pretty much, and, and losing very few games. So, you know, bring it on. Yeah, Ferguson has seven caps for Scotland now, most of them from the bench. I think he he started a a win for us away from. Did he start away to Austria in the one 0 game, or was it the? The draw and the friendly, maybe. So the, um, I think the friendly. 
Turkey friendly, did they play in that? No. Turkey friendly. Here, here we are. So he, he came off the bench for a minute in the 2 0 defeat away to Denmark. He came off the bench for the 1 0 win away to Austria and then started the 2 2 draw. And then games that he's recently come off the bench in half an hour against Armenia away and then 10 minutes against Turkey, Spain at home, and England at home. So, yeah, very much a bit part that he's played with that total of almost half an hour for Scotland in the last year, which really does go against the form he's shown at Bologna. And absolutely right, if this emergence was five or six years ago, we would be absolutely crawling all over ourselves to get Lewis Ferguson into the Scotland starting lineup as soon as possible. But with Gilmore, McGregor, McTominay and McGinn all on form for us, it's really hard to, to present a case for anything else at the moment. I suppose the one thing would be if McGregor or Gilmore became unavailable or suspended or injured, would McGinn drop back into one of their roles and then that would vacate a position, Barry, for one of the forward-thinking midfielders or would maybe McLean or Jack, if he was fit, drop into that part of the midfield? Yeah, well, before Billy Gilmore started playing more regularly at club level, the McGinn was playing a deeper, a deeper role for Scotland alongside McGregor and you had... Um, you know, like like Christie was starting more often at that point, and the system was slightly different just further forward. So, yeah, I would probably expect that to be more likely, and then Ferguson could come in further up the park. But Steve Clark does like Kenny McLean. You'll notice he, when he's putting a midfield substitute on, it's very often Kenny McLean who who's, who's thrown in there to, to good effect. Obviously, a lot of the time, as we saw in Norway in particular. So, um, I wouldn't have any issue with Kenny McLean starting. I think he's a reliable player for Scotland. He's never let. It, his country down, it always turns up, knowing fine well he's probably not going to start games. And in some games he won't go on at all, but he's always there and, you know, just a really committed player who's who's got a lot of talent as well, we should add, you know, lovely left foot could, you know, open a can of beans with, with that left foot. Um, terrific, terrific stuff. I love watching him play. But another one who's really unfortunate to be sitting on the bench at a time when the Scotland team and the, the midfield in particular is, is just so strong. In McLean's time with Scotland, whenever it ends will end with with fond memories, I'm sure. I mean, he's got 32 caps for us now. I'm not sure he'll enter the role of honour, but very likely that he'll hit 40. At least McLean's he turns 32 in January. So, yeah, um, an important part of Steve Clark's squad. Looking at the ones that have missed out this time, we've touched on Shanklin. Ryan Jack just pulled out today. Grant Hanley still a long-term injury with Norwich. He's recovering from an Achilles problem. His injury actually means that McLean's wearing the armband for Norwich at the moment, uh, Keaton Tierney, we've spoken about. Craig Gordon, Barry, what is your Heart of Midlothian-related intel on his return? Uh, he's pretty much there. He's expected to be back in full training day in, day out during this break, this international break. And it's then up to Hearts and him when they decide that he's going to start playing game. I mean, firstly, they'll, they'll organise some closed-door games for him Um and one or two others that are coming back from long-term injuries. So it won't just be a case of after he's been out for nine months that he'll get thrown back in a competitive match. And Hearts, after we go up back after the international break, Hearts play Celtic, Rangers, Livingston, and then Rangers again in the, the Viaplay Cup final. So I would be surprised if he was thrown into any of those games as quick as that. Um, I think he'd be looking beyond November. Um, so I wouldn't think that... I wouldn't expect Craig Gordon to be in the, the Scotland squad, certainly not as a 
as someone who's likely to play for November, they could name him in terms of just get him back involved and you know get him integrated again back into the setup and see how he, just get for the Scotland coaching staff to get a look at him themselves. They might want to do that um, for the November internationals, but he's not. I don't think he's at a stage where he's ready to play for for Hearts mm-hmm. until probably into November, and therefore Scotland career, if it's going to resume, would be next year. Do we? We don't have the Nations League in March. I think that all kicks off next September. But will we have friendlies again in March? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the plan that they want to make, you know, just to keep, keep the momentum going apart from anything else. And the more you get this squad together, the more you can integrate people. And that might be the opportunity for people like Ben Doak, as you mentioned before, Andy, who I think everybody's desperate to see in a Scotland yeah. cup. Uh, I just, I'm wary of people like that getting kind of hyped up too much. And sometimes I'm guilty of it myself. It's just sort of natural fan enthusiasm. I think you see mm-hmm. somebody like that, and well, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that might be his opportunity next year. So yeah, friendlies in March, as far as I'm aware, is, is part of the plan. Yeah, well, I'm sure that will afford an opportunity. Maybe that'll be Lewis Ferguson's big moment as well. Uh, a couple of friendlies next uh, next March before, hopefully, the Euros. Um, if we get there, of course, we'll have warm-up games as well. But let's just get it across the line first. And foremost, here's a little reminder of how that could happen over the next week. So on match day seven, which is this Thursday, we're away to Spain. If we draw or win, we've done it ourselves mathematically. If Norway drop points in Cyprus, we will find out on the same night if we have done it or not. I think that game kicks off at the same time as ours, so it won't be one of those where we know prior to kick off. Um, what the situation is. But if we lose in Spain and Norway take care of business over in Cyprus, we'll then have to keep a keen eye on Norway's match with Spain on Sunday. If Norway drop points at home to Spain, then officially we can say that we've qualified for the Euros. I don't think anyone has made it yet. Am I have Portugal? Have Portugal qualified? Um, but anyway, we, we will be one of the first, I'm sure, to get this over the line. Uh, with four games, uh, sorry, with three games still to go for Scotland, and it will be nice, or it would be lovely to be able to go to Georgia away without um, any trepidation, and then Norway at home, a bit of a party to finish the campaign if things go our way before then. So, yeah, let's get um, this done over this international break, guys, and we can start looking ahead to the uh, on the plane series, which I'm sure we'll bring back um, when we discuss the squad for next summer, should it happen. And yeah, um, I'm flying out to Spain tomorrow, Callum. You're going from Paris, aren't you, as well? Yeah, I'm flying out Wednesday night, so looking forward to um, a couple of waters on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. right, well, uh, I'm sure I'll see you in the city then on Thursday. Yes, okay, but that'll be all for this time. We'll review the Spain game, um, no matter what happens. We'll preview the France one as well, and then subsequently take a look at how that's gone. But for the time being, enjoy Spain if you're heading over, enjoy watching on the TV if you're staying at home, and hopefully this will get confirmed in a matter of days. Sports Social Podcast Network.